What's up, everybody? Welcome to Just Friends Takeover. I'm your host, Sarah Embry, and I hope you're prepared for an episode of Just Friends unlike any before it. So you see, Mitch ran out of podcast material during this quarantine, and as always, I just had to step in and save his ass. So today, I'll be your host, and Mitch will be the guest. So I hope you're all ready to hear a bunch of stories that you've already heard before. This is the part of the intro where Mitch would usually introduce the guest, but since Mitch is the guest, we might as well just get started. So without further ado, I'd like to introduce to you our friend, Mitchell Embry, on Just Friends Takeover. Was that good enough? Can I listen to it? It's taken you like 20 minutes to set up the podcast just to do a podcast. Usually I do this beforehand. Usually I do this beforehand. I'm running the podcast, so I'm not doing any of it. Yeah, that's not fair. I'm like, are you paying me to do this? Because normally if I if I were to have, when I do the podcast, if I were to have someone who does all the prep, I would pay that person. Would you? Yes. That's why I do it myself, because I don't want to have to Well, do we're that. married, so our finances are kind of the same. So no, I'm not going to pay you to do that. Sorry. Well, this is good stuff, but I'm going to go get you a blanket. Thank you. <laughs> nice shades. <laughs> this is a cozy space you got here thank you i put a lot of work into that i haven't used it yet this is my first time use in the studio that's crazy because i feel like it's been here forever it's been here a long time yeah we did it it's way back before like the whole world shut down mm-hmm. so at least what now three months four mm-hmm. months maybe even yeah it's a great space. I'm I happy feel like with I'm it. in your space, but this is the takeover, so I'm taking control. Of You've your taken space. over my space. Yes, that's fine. Okay, that's fine. You're welcome in this space anytime. That's why oh, it's thanks. so cozy. You have a hang- picture hanging right there, an, a Sarah original. I made that. It you, still uh, has my old initials on it too. It must have been done before we were married, then. Yeah, I didn't make that one. I watched you make that one. I'm, I'm proud of that one. You did a good job. Yeah. Thank you. Just for the listeners, if you're interested in what pains we're talking about, you're gonna have to come beyond just friends. But <laughs> but this is a takeover, so I'm not I'm not allowed to be in this charge. This is the takeover, and that means I'm the host. So you get to answer my questions. I promise to answer truthfully. Okay. And in the most amusing manner, of which I can am capable of expressing. Okay. Well, let's just start um, with a little background because okay. I'm sure most of the people listening to this podcast know who you are yeah sure. Well, let's just let's have a little refresher okay where are you from i'm from here i'm from the same place everybody else is mm-hmm. well that's not true because i'm not from here <laughs> <laughs> everybody else listening to this podcast i'm pretty much from the same place as you unless you're like one of those freaks that's from like germany or something like that i grew up in the south in louisville this the house that i live in that we're in right now is my grandparents house that's a good point to bring up yeah. because i feel like you have so many memories here i do that I don't have, so it's kind of interesting to live here with you. In this very spot that we are at right now, mm-hmm. it used to be expanded probably just a, a, a little bit bigger. And in my mind, it also extended past the stairs a little bit, which obviously the blankets that I have hung up do not. But this is where a large part of my childhood took place. Like I watched, there used to be a TV up on that shelf up there. Mm-hmm. And I used to watch a shitload of, my grandma had a VCR. Mm-hmm. And so the only videos we could really watch were, the videos that she had here and there wasn't cable on that TV. So <laughs> we had like uh what do we have? We had Mrs. Doubtfire. We had a, that's Leave really, it to is that a children's movie or TV show? I is it a movie? It's a movie. It's got Robin Williams <laughs> in it. 
That's interesting. So do you feel like this house <sighs> is smaller than what you remember it yeah. being? Yeah, oh, big time. Big time. When I think about this space we're in right now, like it was extended further back and it was more of like a a room. There was, right where you're sitting, there was a recliner. Right on the other side of that pole, there was a recliner. And then a little bit over there, next to a blanket very similar to this one that's hanging right next to me, there was a couch in front of that. On the other side of that blanket, my grandma had storage and stuff like that. Down here, it was pretty much these same concrete floors with a rug on them, just like this. Uh, there's a TV in that corner. There's That room was full of games mm. uh, that we used to play with, but also just junk that my mm-hmm. grandma had just shoved in there. So how much time did you spend here with your grandparents? Tons. Yeah. Tons. Because they were both retired. My mm-hmm. mom's parents were not. So they worked. So And my parents worked. So my grandma Embry and my grandpa Embry, my dad's parents, they would babysit us. So we'd spend a lot of time over here. And we'd stay the night. It was mm-hmm. fun. That's cool. So you, most of your family's from here. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. My mom has some family in like South Carolina. Um, but we don't see them much. So I don't really interact with them much. So I don't know them well. Yeah. That makes sense. So then you went to elementary school, high school here, middle school. Where did you go to middle school? I went to Stewart Middle School. It's over by my parents' house. And that was sixth through eighth grade? Yeah, it was cool. Hmm. Which was your favorite? Elementary, middle, or high? I feel like for me, high school was definitely my favorite of the three. (laughs) Because in elementary school, I was confused a lot. (laughs) (laughs) You were confused. I just didn't really know my place. I struggled to make friends. Social interaction was challenging for me. That's just called being a baby. Yeah, I didn't have any practice with it. Mm -hmm. And then like some things in my house were occasionally a little bit tumultuous. And I was a huge nerd. I just like to read. And I love to be just in my imagination. I was constantly daydreaming. Mm-hmm. Um, and then middle school, I was, I mean, in middle school, let's talk about it. Uh, <laughs> let's. It's not the most fun. I had a butt cut. Wow, uh, yeah. We talked about it in our last podcast. We I did. put my pants on like the second day of school that and that pretty much set the tone. That story was a great story. It made me feel better about my middle school experience. So thank you. And then high school freshman year, I was pretty shy. I, I wasn't good at making friends. When did you start sports? Because you played football. Sophomore year of high school. That's really when I came out of my shell. Did that change? How like how did you decide to do that? Was it just like all my friends are playing? Or did you try to do that to meet people? My dad had always encouraged me to play football when I was younger. But it never happened. It was always something that I expressed interest in, but not a ton. And so I just never did. Um, and then in high school, it just became convenient. Because mm-hmm. I was already at school. And it happened right after school. And I was already there after school. Unless I left. So mm-hmm. all I had to do was just not leave. And then I was at football <laughs> practice. Yeah. And then my friends were there. Mm-hmm. Were you involved in any other clubs or sports? Eh, up to that point, no. F- football was definitely the first thing that I'd really ever participated in in that capacity. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was fun for me. I made a lot of friends. And I built a lot of really positive relationships. And also I kind of reinvented myself just a tiny little bit. I became a little bit more confident. Uh I worked out a little bit, so my body turned from, like, mushy, like, sadness to, like, a little bit, like, oh, this is a little <laughs> bit firmer than it used to be, and, like, huh. So yeah. that was cool. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, that was really a transformative time for me, and I built a lot of really positive and, and powerful relationships that still last from you that time. You seem to still have a lot of friends from high school, yeah. and not many people can say that. I mean, I have a group of friends from high school that I'm still constantly, you know, in conversation with. But you have a huge group of friends that you know from your childhood that you still talk to on a daily, regular basis. You know, I don't know if that's that was always true. But the podcast has definitely made that true. 
Yeah. Like making this has definitely opened up opportunities for me to talk to people that I haven't talked to or, or even that I'd never talked to before. People that I didn't feel comfortable reaching out to or having relationships when I was younger because I still didn't have the whole process figured out yet. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's been really fun. But it's definitely true. I, I have two really strong group of friends that mingle with each other that both stem from relationships that I built in high school. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of my my core friend group for sure. I suppose that's a little bit interesting, yeah. Yeah, it seems like it's just like a base for you. You know, they're always there mm-hmm. no matter how long it's been yeah. that you talk to them, um, which is not really super usual. Like my friends that I met in college, they don't really keep up with their high school friends much. Yeah. Yeah, so that's different. Yeah, that is interesting. I suppose... A big part of the reason why that is is because I sucked at college. <laughs> so, yeah, what happened after high school? What was your path? After high school, I started at speed school. I feel like I've told this story. I feel bad telling it again. I, I, after so high school. So you immediately went to speed school? Immediately. Just, just because you thought you'd like engineering? or had, Okay, so I had... I had taken AutoCAD classes in high school and it was one, it was a very meaningful class for me because one, it was with a lot of my friends who I appreciated. Chris Berry was in there. David Vandelberg was in there. Hugh Lee, just people I liked, people Mm -hmm. I related to well. And it was something that I was kind of good at because I was smart. And if I had applied myself, I could have been much better at it. And then I knew engineering was a career that paid well. And I'd taken tests that suggested that, I don't know. I didn't really pay. You know, TJ talked about tests that inspired him to be an engineer. I don't remember what my test said. I think I wanted them to say engineer and they like might not have. Your career path test? Yeah, those or, tests. I don't remember ever taking one. Really? In high school, yeah. But uh, so you left speed school and then you went to Starbucks. Yeah, well, I, f- I flunked out of speed school pretty much. Yeah. Um, Because I didn't have the discipline. I started working at Starbucks and I worked there for a buttload of time. Mm-hmm. It was a really great experience for me. I built a lot of really positive friendships. I learned a lot about myself. I would not talk about that time like I'm proud of the way that I handled it, but I learned a lot of lessons about how to work in a professional environment. I mean, I started that job when I was 19 you were years young. old. I was yeah, a little you baby. Were young. It was the first real job I'd ever had. And then I just kept getting opportunities there that were positive and they paid me well and it was safe. So when did you buy your house and move out? Because that's not something most people do. Like, I feel like most people, you know, they find an apartment, they get or they go to a dorm room. But you actually bought a house. Yeah, it made sense to me at the time. And it was just because I was so lucky because my parents are awesome Mm -hmm. that they were able to give me this opportunity. But it was like 2012. I'd been working at Starbucks since 2009. So I've been working there for like three years. I was a shift supervisor. I was making like at the time like $9 an hour. But I was a single guy. I didn't have any fucking bills. Mm -hmm. I'd done some college, but I hadn't had to take out any college loans because, again, my parents took care of me. I was really privileged in that way. Like, the thing that I can say the most about myself, I'm lucky because my parents both had good jobs and they were able to make money and they were able to, like, weather my stupid decisions financially pretty (laughs) successfully, (laughs) which is nice. And I appreciate that about them a lot. They're awesome. So... Yeah, that was just something that like made sense. Like, sure, I could rent something, but when when I bought this house, my parents sold it to me for a very decent amount of money, and I had a bunch of money saved up because, like I said, I'd been working at Starbucks making 
right around $10 an hour and not having any bills. Yeah, so you could save that. I'd saved a bunch of money. And then mm-hmm. I'd been gifted money, like by grandparents and stuff like that when mm-hmm. they passed away. And I had a savings account for when I was younger that I'd never touched. And so I just was able to use that as an opportunity to buy this house, which was really, really cool. And I did that in 2012. And then I kind of just chilled at Starbucks <laughs> and just did my thing, like laid low and tried to figure out what I was going to do. Yeah. And try to learn some lessons and try to grow up a little bit, which was That's cool. important, though. Trying to figure out what you like, what you don't like. I'm still trying to figure that out. What are you talking about? <laughs> I don't have a clue. Right. I mean, sometimes uh, I know what I'm interested in. What I haven't figured out is how to take what I'm interested in and make money doing it. Well, I mean, I feel like your interests change as you get older. That's true. Like, you know, in high school, you probably weren't interested in the same things you are now. So that's frustrating as from a career st- standpoint because you might get stuck with something you won't like in 20 years. Yeah, well, for me, the only thing I was really interested in high school was how can I get laid? <laughs> I mean, let's be totally honest. Well, you were a dude. And so. that wasn't happening. <laughs> and I was like, what is wrong? This is not. So I was just trying to figure that out. Yeah. But definitely, I mean, I've talked about this before. Mm-hmm. And it, it's been a really profound experience for me. Like I turned like 25 or 26, and I just really just started thinking. I was like, what do I want to do? And I was like, eh, fuck, I don't know. I was like, well, I do know that I don't want to keep doing what I'm doing. I don't, I want to change that. So I got an opportunity through Starbucks. They paid for me to go to college, which was rad. I went to Arizona State University, and I got a bunch of friends who also did that. Mm -hmm. Uh, Lindsay, who was on the podcast recently, did that. Mm -hmm. And, uh, it was just a really cool opportunity for me to finish out my bachelor's degree, totally paid for. I didn't have any debt up to that point, but I also didn't really have an avenue for how I was going to finish college. Yeah. So, yeah, I took that opportunity. It was rad. I did my bachelor's degree online. It was what awesome. was online school like versus speed school, which is, you know, obviously on UofL's campus? How is that different? Because I feel like online school would take a lot of discipline. I don't know if I could do it. Um, Maybe, but it worked for me. And I'll tell you why it worked for me. When I was going to school and I was actually going to class, I would go to class a lot of the time. Sometimes I wouldn't. <laughs> and then I wouldn't want to do anything after class. Like I didn't, I, I just, yeah, you're right. I was, I did, I was lazy. I didn't have a discipline. I didn't have a discipline. <laughs> yeah. I was always so interested in trying to figure out something else to do. What could I, what could I be getting into? Who, who is fun that's around here that I could do something with? By the time I was in college in online, I was like 25 and I wasn't running as much. I was really already only going out on the weekends because I was working all through the week. Mm-hmm. And I was, and I was thinking, what am I using my extra time to do? I've got an okay job. It pays me okay money. It sustains the lifestyle that I have right now. Um, what am I spending my extra time doing? And so what I started doing was I started spending my extra time on school. Mm-hmm. And I would just chill on my couch with my laptop. <laughs> and I would read. And I would write. And I would watch I watched a buttload of good TV. I'll say yeah. that. <laughs> um, and, you know, I got a chance to really try to articulate my thoughts in a meaningful way. And I got to think. I got the opportunity to think about what I think, which was really cool. That was mm-hmm. one of the best things that college did for me. What do you actually think? Yeah. Okay, now tell me what you actually think and do it well. So those are two things I don't think I could do before. And they're things that I really appreciate and I try really hard to do well now. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that was a really cool 
time for me and having that chance to do that was great. And then, you know, after Arizona State, I left Starbucks almost immediately and jumped right into teaching. Yeah, so when I met you, you were a long-term substitute teacher yeah, at PRP. PRP. And you seemed like you loved that job. I loved that job. I yeah. can tell you why I loved it. I'm almost <laughs> ashamed why I loved it. Why? I loved it because the people who were there were almost like family. Mm-hmm. I'd known them, uh, most of them for years. And then even the ones that I hadn't known for years, they were a part of that same community and they, they knew based off of what other people were saying that I was too. So it was like their family. Yeah. And also I was getting thrown into this classroom that I didn't really know a whole lot about this content area that I didn't know a ton about. I was learning about it as I was going, I was doing my best to represent this information in a meaningful way to these kids. But the overall level of like accountability was low. And that was nice. What was your subject you were teaching first? First I started off teaching algebra one and G. And that's it. Oh, okay. Algebra one. Okay. Um, and then the next year I started teaching, which was, this was a crazy year, uh, anatomy and chemistry. I did that, that was f- the year we were dating. Yeah. The, I taught that mm-hmm. for a whole year. Yeah. That was an interesting year, but it was fine because I was going to, I already had expectations for myself that were as high or higher than the people, other people's expectations. So I knew that I could just do what I was going to do and that was going to work. So yeah, I really liked that job. And I I felt like I did a good job there. I built good relationships with kids. I mean, I didn't do a great job teaching the content, but I didn't have a chance. Yeah. I don't know anything about chemistry or anatomy. I didn't stand a chance. Yeah. I would have done a much better job if it had been math, I think. I learned a buttload about how the body works. And I learned a, uh, quite a bit about how just about chemicals and their structures. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. I'm glad you know how your body works. Like I know chemistry now yeah, pretty well. Sure. <laughs> and then cool. you got married. I did. I married you. So we've been married 10 months. Is that right? Yeah. <laughs> That's cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It'll be a year in June, right? That's cool. How do you feel about that? I feel good about it. It went by fast. Don't you think? It has. Mm-hmm. Huh. I wonder why. I don't know. I mean, I feel like just life goes by fast. That's but, true. Um, We've only known each other for really two, a little over two years. Is that true? It'll be three years that, on our anniversary that we met. That feels right. Three years feels right. Mm-hmm. Feels like forever though, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. Isn't that weird? Yeah, I guess it's weird. I don't think about you ever not being there anymore. Really? So now it just seems like you've always have been because I feel like you always will be. Because that's how I think about it. Well, yeah. I mean, we're married. <laughs> We've committed to the long run. So uh, how do you feel about marriage though? being 10 months into it i feel sorry for you a little still <laughs> still the same way kind of that's ridiculous like i feel like oh god damn she's still got to be married to me like that's shit ridiculous. i think i peed on the seat last night you did just, oh I my know. god god damn you do that a lot babe <laughs> mitchell listen to me right now toilet seats they go up and down for a reason i hear you i hear you <laughs> you're right yeah you're right so has it been uh, up to your expectations it's been great i really appreciate you and like what you do for me and what you bring to my life i was talking to my mom about this today or maybe i was talking to my dad about it i can't remember um you know they got that puppy mm-hmm. and they're dealing with the whole being being a puppy so they just got a puppy because they just put one of their dogs down that they had for how long did they have tucker i took her for about 
nine years. Yeah, a long time. Yeah. So we were just talking about, you know, like accountability. He, my dad's trying to train this dog. And I, it just he just got me thinking about me and the things that I'm doing right now that suck. <laughs> <laughs> wow, okay. Uh, and I just was talking about how you were exercising today. And I was just like, yeah, Sarah does a great job of holding herself accountable. And then that makes me want to hold myself accountable. And I just appreciate that you do that for me. I wish... I did a better job of doing that for you, honestly. <laughs> yeah, I think exercise is like written into me. Yeah. Because of my profession and what I see on a daily basis. But like eating healthy is hard. Yeah, you that struggle with that. That side of it is I struggle more with. Um, but I feel like we encourage each other decently amount. Well, that sucks because that's my worst. I was talking yeah. to my dad. I was like, I'm thinking about, and I, this is true. I'm thinking about 12, joining like a 12-step program for eaters. <laughs> you're laughing, but I'm serious. Yeah, no. I mean, I feel like something to hold you accountable is a good idea. Yeah. If it works. And a community of people that will mm-hmm. be supportive. And and then, you know, like that process, those 12-step process. I just read a lot about it, people who do that and how much they benefited from that. Just like the honesty and like the... For eating, though? Well, all of it. Admitting <laughs> that like you have to take like a moral inventory and those things. It's the same 12 steps mm. for eating. It's just a little yeah. bit different, I think. It's just human nature. Yeah, you have to How take, we are. It's hard to take accountability for yourself. So it's talking about to, the podcast okay. itself, why did you start it okay. is what I want to know. And how has it evolved? Like, is it what you thought it would be? Because- not many people can do that, start a podcast and um, publicly talk about it. That's something odd about you or I different. Feel like, well, I feel like anybody could do it. Yeah. Because it hasn't been that hard. <laughs> um, Jesus. God. This mic is like in the way. It's harder for you than maybe it is for me. I'm not used to it. It's, it's, yeah, it's in the way of my wine. Oh, that's a, that's a dangerous place to be. I've learned. <laughs> You've learned. <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> no, the podcast. Okay, so I'm a huge fan of podcasts. It's bad because I don't listen to music anymore because I feel like I'm always listening to podcasts. I know. You always ask me, do you want to listen to a podcast? I'm like, can we listen to music? I know. But, but no, I, I do like them because they're educational. That's what I love about them. I don't necessarily, I do get enjoyment out of the ones that are less edifying. I do when it's a person that I appreciate or that I enjoy. Mm-hmm. But I really, really love the episodes that I listen to where I learn something. So, what are your favorite podcasts? My all-time Let favorite podcast, Radio Lab, is probably one of the very best. So, this is how I got started and interested in the podcasts. When I was working at Starbucks, I was listening to NPR constantly, and that was really where, like, I'd stopped listening to music quite a bit. Um, I don't know why that transition happened, but it was around the same time, I think, that maybe my brain fully developed. So you were 25? Because that's when uh, males mature. 25 26, yeah. <laughs> and I just started to, I started to feel ravenous for info. I just wanted to learn, and, and I, I just really enjoyed gaining new information. And especially in an entertaining way, because that's what a lot of podcasts do really well. I mean, you listened to Dr. Death. I loved Dr. Death. Which is a really good one. And now, like, when I first started listening to, they weren't really podcasts, they were radio shows. 
They were like, uh, I would listen to Diane Reem's show. I loved Diane Reem. I would listen mm-hmm. to Terry Gross. I loved Terry Gross. She was awesome. And so, and I liked, uh, I liked Moth Radio Hour, which is the thing where they just have like people come on stage and live tell stories. I just really loved the way that they could tell stories and they could articulate themselves. And these people were really good communicators. And that's something that I appreciate now a lot. The ability to express yourself well. Yes. I know you value that and you're good at it. You're good at using vocabulary. I, I'm not. <laughs> I wish I was way better at it. You're better it. than me, so. The people that, that I really admire a lot in my life are people who have a very strong grasp of the English language. And that's because they can express themselves more effectively than you can if you if you don't have that. Mm-hmm. And so you can better understand that individual mm-hmm. because they can more effectively and accurately tell you what they want you to know. Yep. And that's super valuable. And I just value that a lot. Yeah. So I loved listening to those episodes, those radio shows. Um, I got into Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me and some of the live ones. And I was just like, this this would be my dream job. I didn't like my job very much at the time. I was working at Starbucks. I was ready to get out of that situation. I was like, this would be the thing. If I could do anything, mm-hmm. I would like to do this. And I guess maybe that was a little bit of a revelation because it was true, I think. And that was maybe the first time I'd said that about a job and that was an accurate statement. Like, I would think I would love doing that. Mm. You know, then I guess over time that transitioned into podcasting. Radio Lab, which I said earlier was one of my favorite podcasts, is also an NPR show. They'll play it on NPR, but you can also listen to it as a podcast. Kind of functions as both. And I just kind of I started listening to Joe Rogan and then Mike Higdon, shout out to Mike Higdon. He introduced me to Dak Shepard. And I was like, this is just a really interesting way of telling stories. Man, Dak Shepard podcast I love because we listened to it during our honeymoon, which our honeymoon was a road trip. And so we listened to hours of it and it was great. So, yeah. Do you still feel that way? Do you still love it now that you're doing it? Yes, I do really enjoy doing it. I will say the part about it that I love the most is this part. The actual collecting of the audio, the talking to the person. Conversation. That's that's the most fun. (laughs) That's the most fun. Yeah. And I love it because it's intimate. And like you and I right now, we're sitting across from each other. We're looking at each other in our eyes. You can hear me in your ears really loud because we have headphones on. Mm -hmm. And it's really intimate and it's fun. And it's a distraction from things in my life that bring me anxiety. That's a big part of it. And so during those... During these moments, I'm present, more present than I am in other parts of my life. It is comfortable because I am an extreme introvert. I'm not very talkative. I'm not very outgoing. But I find podcasting to be really fun yeah. because I'm able to have a conversation with you and I'm, I'm literally not thinking about anything else. Yeah. So it's, it's relaxing almost. Yeah. So I think I just came into this whole thing just by being a fan of podcasts. And it's weird for you to ask me these questions because it's not like I'm a big time like podcast dude. Nobody fucking listens to this podcast. If you're <laughs> listening to this podcast, you're like one of like eight people. You are amazing. <laughs> yeah, you're the bomb. <laughs> and that's totally cool though because I do. I just really enjoy doing it. And you know what? I learned that I thought I, I, I thought I wasn't gonna like editing them, but I love editing them. Really? If it's a good episode, especially, 
Mm-hmm. I, I love, I like listening to it. It's yeah. fun to listen to it. And you know, like there's stuff that I cut out. For those of you guys who are listening, you don't realize it. I take shit out. If somebody says something that makes them look a little bit negative, I ain't trying to make anybody look bad. This right. is for fun. This is cool. And so, uh, shit, I might take that. I don't know. Um, <laughs> it's it's like bringing your imagination into your real life. Because when you listen to somebody, you think about their life and you think about what they're talking about and you almost picture it like you're doing it or like you're like you're you're talking yeah like you're talking about it so it's almost refreshing because it's an escape and it's relaxing it really is you're talking about the process of making a podcast right now and listening yeah no i mean i try to listen like when i'm driving Mm -hmm. or when i'm doing something that like i have to get done Mm -hmm. cleaning stuff like that um and it's it's great it's it distracts me from something i'm doing that i really don't love that's true for me too, but also it allows me to do this thing that I don't particularly love doing and not have to do it by myself. That's how I feel about it. Okay. It's like I'm not by myself. There's these two other dudes here. They're talking about this bullshit. And in my mind, I can. that's entertaining and distracting and I don't feel like I'm alone. Yeah. I mean, I feel like you have strong beliefs about that. Like just the fact that we're supposed to be in a community together yeah, all I the do. time. It's something I, mean, I really value. I don't know about all the time. I think I'm I'm trying to learn the value of like alone time. But I think alone time should be meditative. Um I don't think alone time should necessarily be monotonous. If you're doing something that's monotonous that you don't particularly want to be doing. Um that's also not going to be super edifying. It's more fun to have somebody there with you. It's more fun to work with friends than it is to work by yourself. Definitely true. And that's how I feel. So do you meditate? Not as much as I should, um, but I enjoy it. I've been thinking about doing it recently because I I need to do it. Um, Why do you need to do it? Okay, that's a a big question. Yeah. I mean, dive into it. Okay. That's a question. I feel like you can dive as deep as you would like to, (sighs) but I do need a refill on my wine. Okay. You want to get that real fast? Yes. While you think, collect your thoughts about meditation and we will talk about that okay so you asked me why I feel like I need to meditate yes I used to think it was woo I used to think it was silly and dumbness but then people whom I respected talked about it some of the people whose podcasts I like to listen to started talking about mindfulness and the people whom I worked with that I respected started talking about mindfulness Mm -hmm. and I didn't understand what it was and I, I, I genuinely, honestly think that I only just recently really figured out what it means to me. And it's because I read a book by a man named Sam Harris called Waking Up. So he goes a long way to describe the structure of our brain. Sam Harris is an, a, a neuroscientist. Mm-hmm. And he goes really in depth about the structure of our brains. And he draws in a lot of contextual knowledge from like anthropology and sociology and the social sciences about how we functioned in the past and combines them with the structure of our brains and the neurochemistry of our brains and what that says about how we function as a as a species or an, and as an individual that's interesting and you know he talks about like like kind of like you're saying about the value of community and all that stuff but he goes really deep into trying to describe consciousness. What is consciousness? He gives what I think is a really 
decent description of what it is. What does he say? It is. Okay, so. This is hard to describe. In brief terms, how would you describe consciousness? If it feels like something to be something, it is consciousness. Could you imagine being a bat? Yeah. What it feels like to be a bat? Mm -hmm. Then it's conscious. Could you imagine what it feels like to be a rock? No. A rock is nothing. It feels nothing. It sees nothing. It experiences nothing. If you're a rock, all of a sudden the whole world is nothing. Because it doesn't have sense. You can't feel like what it feels to be a rock. A so you're not saying conscious. a rock is not conscious. Okay. What about a plant or a tree? Uh, that's a good question. That's a very interesting question. Are plants conscious? Maybe. I'm open to the idea of thinking that maybe they are. So They talk to each other through their, through their root networks. They, there can be like groves of trees that exist. And you can chop one of those trees down and there will be a stump there. That stump does not have the ability to keep itself alive. It no longer has limbs or branches to photosynthesize. It still has its roots, though, and that root system is connected to other trees that can photosynthesize. And those trees will keep that stump alive, even though it is no longer contributing to the system. That is crazy and amazing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so how, you would describe consciousness as the ability to feel? If it, No, I would describe... Con if you're wondering if something is conscious... And you can, you can question. This can be questionable. It, it's gray. It's gray. You asked me, are plants conscious? That's a great question. I don't know. Maybe. I, I'm open to the idea that potentially they are, yes. But if you can imagine what it feels like to be something, then that thing probably experiences some degree of consciousness. Okay. For example, uh, here's a challenging one. Can you imagine what it would be like to be a jellyfish. Okay. You always say a jellyfish is challenging one because yeah. we've had this conversation before. But I think, yeah, absolutely I can imagine what it would be like to be a jellyfish. Then maybe jellyfish are conscious. I feel like that's obvious. I mean, literally it's a fish. Like it's it's a living being. But you want to – so you want me to break that down into – some you contradictory can. things okay sure. so a jellyfish is basically an amalgamation of very simple cells it doesn't have a brain it barely really has a a system it it, it ingests things into like its stomach basically which is pretty much its whole body and it breaks that down with enzymes and breaks those enzymes down into chains of essential elements that are maybe carbohydrates maybe proteins whatever it needs to continue to live and, and continue to do its thing but it doesn't have a brain. It has a very, very simple nervous system. It has a nervous system that's a system that's so simple, you could theoretically recreate it completely with technology that we have currently. Well, so could we? Cre if if that is conscious, then is the technology that we can currently create conscious? That's a good question, right? The fact that jellyfish have a defense mechanism uh, automatically makes me feel like they have a consciousness, and the fact that they like you just said, do all those things, but you don't think we can create consciousness? Is that oh, no. We're, oh. Getting, we're getting into some serious weeds. We were talking okay, about well, why I want to meditate. I, I would rather you talk about why you'd want to meditate because okay. you, you, you've talked about consciousness. So we've kind of like described that. Well, you asked me what is consciousness, and that's a hard question to answer. But what does that have to do with meditation? Okay, so what is consciousness? Consciousness is what does it feel like to be something? Mm -hmm. So then your consciousness, what you are, is what does it feel like to be you? Okay. You are only, your consciousness is only your experience. 
what do you see through your eyes? That's why it feels like you live behind your head, like in your head, kind of behind your <laughs> eyes. Yeah. It's because your eyes are one of your strongest sensory organs. That's where you get um, the vast majority of your information, have the vast majority of your experiences. That's why your consciousness lives there. That may not necessarily be true for people who don't see. They, they might, they've never seen their head. They don't know that they live there. Mm-hmm. And often if you think about it, you don't see your head. You never see your head. Mm-hmm. You see your body floating underneath your body. Yeah. That awareness that you just had of, your, of the fact that you are yourself actually just kind of this sense that's floating above your body, that's mindfulness. Being aware of what your consciousness actually is. Just your experience. What you're seeing. What you're doing. What you're breathing, what you're eating, what you're participating in, the thoughts that you're having. Because you're, you're not your thoughts either. That's a really hard one. And this gets us back to meditation. You're not your thoughts either. Your thoughts occur in your consciousness, but they are not who you are. And you can control them. You have thousands of them all the time. You'll notice that I often tend to choose to think about work when I probably should not be. But aren't thoughts and feelings very similar? Feelings and thoughts are different. Yes. Feelings produce thoughts about those feelings. Okay. Feelings are inspired by biochemical and neurochemical reactions in your body that are results of external stimulus that you experience through your sensory organs. So a dog barks at me when I'm walking Winnie and I got headphones in and I don't know where it's coming from. Mm -hmm. I feel immediately elevated. That's adrenaline. Um, I can see more crispy. I'm, I'm more aware of what's going on around me. I'm a little bit scared. Mm-hmm. All of those are chemical reactions to my current situation. So those these, are feelings. These feelings make you mindful because you're aware of your surroundings. You're aware of what's going on. What is happening right now? Because when you are being mindful that you are only your experience, you can choose what experience do I want to have next? Okay, this dog just scared me. My blood pressure is elevated. My heart mm-hmm. rate is elevated. I've got adrenaline pumping. Um, I got fight or flight kicking in. Being aware that that is what you're experiencing and not just experiencing it, but being aware that that's what you're experiencing it and being able to make decisions based upon the data that you're receiving from that that are logical and meaningful to the situation that you're in, that's mindfulness. That's hard to fucking do. Yeah. You have to be you have to be paying attention, not just aware, but paying close attention to everything that's happened to you at all the time. To like why you're feeling that way. To why you're feeling the way that you're feeling. So you can't let adrenaline take over. You no. have to be aware of why am I feeling this way? I can, I can assess it and I know what's happening. Mm-hmm. What's actually happening? How should I respond to it? What's the mm-hmm. best way to respond? It's so hard to do. So I think you've already answered the question why is mindfulness important is Cuz I suck at that. I am terrible at that. How should I respond? Well, responses to situations are very important. Right. They're the most important. Mm -hmm. They're the most important thing. How you respond to your situation ultimately affects what you experience. And if all you are is what you experience, then making the decision that's going to result in the most positive experience for you is the right choice to make. Yeah, because that's you taking care of your mental health. Right, exactly. And that's why mindfulness is so important. Mm -hmm. And the way that Sam Harris describes it is you have to pay very close attention to right now. Okay. And that's hard to 
do. Extremely. What exactly is happening right this moment? Because moments happen so fast. Yes, and because we are perpetually distracted mm-hmm. by everything. And our world right now is kind of designed in such a way to keep us distracted. You and I, we've been on coronavirus lockdown. We haven't had anything to do on the weekend. How much time have we been spending on our phones? <laughs> um, ridiculous Too amount. much. Too much I was going to say, how is quarantine life for you? Because this lockdown has been happening for over a month now. Mm-hmm. How has it changed your daily life? A, a, a fuck done <laughs> a, a real shitload it's yeah. changed my daily life um but you were working from home before the quarantine barely barely for like um like three weeks yeah and not really working from home because we were going and doing location visits a lot and we were doing installs and stuff like that you were driving to lexington and then before and... that yeah i was working in a school where i was working every day monday through friday very specific and set hours and I'd had opportunities in the past where I'd had long periods where I didn't have to go to work because of summer vacations, but I had nothing to do. I had no responsibilities. And so I would feel comfortable starting large projects and getting it and investing a lot of my time into something that I didn't really know how much was going on. But now I'm still technically working. And so finding a good work-life balance and like figuring out how to make that work for me has been really it's been an interesting challenge. It's been really interesting. That would be really hard because for me as a nurse in critical care, I leave my job and I leave it at there. Yeah. I don't think about it at home. I don't reflect on it at home. I just, I'm home. Yeah. So that would be a challenge because your home and work life are so mixed right now. And they have been for a long time though. They were with when I was teaching too. Yeah. Because I would always have to, I would have to show up to work prepared to work that whole day which would take work yeah right yeah, so that was an interesting challenge there are there are parts of my new job that i'm really enjoying so yeah. that's really cool mm-hmm. i'm getting to do like uh simple video production and stuff like that that i really like that's cool but you know you brought us to a really interesting topic which is coronavirus because I mean, that's the thing that's happening right now. That is what ha- what is happening. Yeah, I feel like it's affecting everybody, mm-hmm. which is different because things that affect healthcare usually don't affect other people. Um, me as a nurse, I see it all the time. But now that it's, you know, closing businesses and potentially even bankrupting people, mm-hmm. um, it's worldwide. It's affecting everybody. So how have you dealt with that? And uh, what does that look like in your life? It's been interesting, you know. It's the reason why we're doing this Just Friends Takeover. (laughs) (laughs) Just Friends Takeover. I mean, it's kind of interesting because you're married to a nurse who sees it daily. Mm -hmm. um, But you're still dealing with it on the outside of that, too. I'm definitely dealing with the whole quarantine. I'm dealing with the social distancing aspect. Being socially distanced is challenging for me because we've already talked about how highly I value community. It's an important thing to me. And it's because I've read literature that would suggest that one of the most important things in the happiness of a human being is strong, consistent relationships, social relationships and social bonds, people that you can trust to support you and that you that care about you that you can invest in that's how you build self-esteem help your friends invest in them make other people's lives better we need all of those things to feel like we have a purpose like that we are 
investing in something that matters. And so like, it's, it's been hard for me to like not be able to see my friends. That's been for sure. Video is just like video chat is not the same. It's not the same. It's a good substitute. It's a good substitute, but I think you'd have to do it way more often in order to get the same. I mean, like we would go out with my parents every Sunday, Mm -hmm. once a week. That's all it was. Yeah. And that felt like enough. Every once in a while, you sprinkle in a couple extra days, see them on like a Tuesday or something like that. Once or twice a week, it's consistent. You know they're there. You get that reinforcement of that social bond and you get, you get to feel that security and it's good. But yeah. And, and even like physical touch, like I haven't hugged a person. I enjoy that. Like it's, yeah. it's important. It's, you know, I feel personally like I'm not getting something that human beings have evolved to need because we're having to self-isolate. Yeah. Ideally we would live in small groups of about 150 people and we would be very close knit and we'd see everybody every single day and you would not be able to survive without the other people that were around you and those strong bonds would give you a sense of purpose and belonging and enjoy i think i that, mean that sounds amazing so right now you're missing that physical touch i'm missing a lot of that yeah and i think i was missing it before i was talking to tj i'm trying to convince his ass to buy like a thousand acres in montana whoa in montana yeah and then just build a town and have all your friends mm-hmm. be invested in this town. Yep. And our family they all members have, and stuff. They all have different trades. They all have yeah. different. Yeah. Hell yeah. I would start a school. I'll run that fucking school so hard. That'd be awesome. Teach everybody's babies. I can be the nurse. Hell the yeah. town nurse. Hell yeah. We need a doctor. You know any doctors? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. A ton. Yeah, I got a bunch of engineer friends. Your dad could design the whole town. All right, babe. Let's do it. We'll make your dad mayor. <laughs> Mayor. I don't wow. know about that. I kind of want to be mayor for me. <laughs> you want to run a cult, so I know you. I don't. No, I don't know. I I would love to live a more communal lifestyle, and that is very synonymous with cult. And so I'm also interested in that as well. So besides the quarantine, let's talk about future. F- our future. Our future specifically, because you've known me for almost three years now. Yeah. In two months, we will have known each other for three years. Mm-hmm. And I feel like we're doing life together now, and we're, we're committed to that. So what does that look like in the long run? I don't know. Shit, that's a hard question. <laughs> I mean, you, we've talked about it. I mean, I have plans, but I, I don't know exactly what everything's going to look like. But, but doesn't that excite you? Because for me, it's like we have all these plans, but are they going to happen? Are they not going to happen? That to me is like really exciting. That is stressful for me a little bit. That to think? me is like not stressful at all. I'm, really? I'm so happy about it because I just I, I know that I'll be with you no matter what. Yeah. So who cares what happens like yeah let's try to do everything we can but if it doesn't happen it doesn't happen yeah but that's disappointing i want to do fun stuff it's not though because i can make positive out of whatever relationship or whatever thing is going on with us because we'll be together and that is and that's that's true but i i don't know i would love to see us figure out a way of being more mobile Yes, traveling is... Being less, being more autonomous is the main thing. The autonomy. The ability to do what we need to be doing from wherever we want to be doing it. Because of traveling? Because, yeah, because I'd like to travel a lot more with you. And I'd love to have the capacity to be traveling but also be working at the same time. That would be ideal. So something I feel like if I was listening to this podcast, I would want to know is, like, why are you not having kids? 
Because we've been married almost a year. That's like the time you start talking about it, thinking about it, mm-hmm. doing it. That's probably an interesting question that people do wonder. Because I haven't, I don't feel like I'm like outspoken about my desire to not have children, but maybe I am. But we've both decided as a married couple not to have children. That's true. I can really only speak to my side of it. Okay. I can try to speak to your side of it a little bit from what you've expressed to me, but I don't know it fully and is don't feel like I should try to articulate it. Go for it, babe. Because it's a decision we've made as a couple. It's not my decision, I don't think. I hope not. It's not, is it? It's not, babe. Okay, good. Parenthood. <laughs> it's not just your decision. That is a joint decision that you should have with anybody you're having sex with. So go for it. We're not, Sarah, we're, don't don't put out there that we are having, I'm not we're having not. sex with this girl. We're not. I would never so. have sex. TJ, you know I would not have sex with a girl. <laughs> it's not happening. Don't worry. Thank you. Okay. Appreciate that. Now continue. Okay. The main reason that we're not having kids is because I refuse to have sex with Sarah. So, yeah, no, kids. I used to want kids when I was younger. It seemed like the thing that you did. It seemed like amazing. I wouldn't say that. Yeah, no, I think it is amazing. I think it's still amazing. But it's something that I don't want part of. But it's an amazing thing that a lot of people should take part of. It's different for you because you're a girl. Because the whole process of having kids for you is getting pregnant. Okay. Being pregnant. I'm trying to hear your perspective. So keep going. From my perspective, I was never going to be pregnant. I was never going to have to birth a baby. I was either going to be a dad or I wasn't going to be a dad. And the decisions that come with being a dad is now I got to do shit to make sure this kid's life does not get fucked up. And that is a lot of responsibility. It's a lot of responsibility. I look at myself. I think I'm a pretty decent person. But I also see how much I struggle and I feel my own anxiety and I feel my own tension And I feel how much I struggle to deal with those things. And I see my own issues. I'm chubby. (laughs) Newsflash. All I can do is laugh. And I don't want to put those things on another person. And, And I would like to think that I have my shit together enough to where I could make a really decent fucking kick ass little kid. You definitely could. Before I took on the task. Of making that little kid. You still could. And I don't want to feel that much accountability. I want to be able to fuck up and it only really impact me (laughs) and you. Well, that's silly. But you're already pretty awesome. I don't think I could fuck you up. Thanks, babe. I could fuck a kid up. I could fuck a kid up. (laughs) We'd have that kid eating. So you are scared to have children because you're worried you can fuck them up. I'm not scared to have kids. Okay. I'm just, I'm 31 years old. Yeah. And I can choose what I want to do and what I don't want to do. Okay. And I don't want to take on the challenge of making a good human. That seems too daunting to me. I'd rather make a good podcast. (laughs) (laughs) I can make a good podcast for sure. Yeah. I can make a good podcast for sure. I don't know if I can make a good human. I definitely know that you could make a good human. 
You trying to convince me to have kids? No, um, definitely not. Okay. I, I think you could be an amazing dad. Thank you. For sure. That'd be cool. I don't want to do that. Um, no, I don't think we should do it. No. No. If we, if we can help it. I mean, obviously there are accidents. but No, they're not. Well, we will not have those. We there will make are. those decisions. They're very minimal, but they happen. But Look at me in my eyeballs. I'm, I'm, I am. Are you pregnant? No. Not at all. Not even a little bit. You're making me anxious. I just wanted to have this conversation because I feel like it's looming over us and people want to know. Because my mom talks to me about it constantly. It's looming over you. It's not looming over me. Maybe Nobody that's because I'm me. a female. Is that because I'm a woman? Probably because you're a woman. Probably because it's like you, you're missing out on a humongous So experience. some of my friends, you know who you are, uh, want to be pregnant. Those motherfuckers aren't listening to this. <laughs> yes, they are. Oh, yeah. uh, but they don't want to have children. I don't want either. Especially the pregnancy. So... I'm I'm definitely trying not to, but I don't know. Maybe it's different for you because you're the male side of it, uh, not having children. But I feel the same way. I mean, I feel like that responsibility is not what I want right now. Yeah, it's not what I want right now. It's not what I want maybe even ever. My question is in 30 years. I mean, in 30 years, I'll be 60. That's old as fuck. Correct. So I probably shouldn't be adopting kids at 60. But let's say in 15 years. Okay, 15. Say in 15 years. 40 something we've been doing our thing for a while i'm 45 we're ready to settle down mm-hmm. i'm not saying i would want to have children then but i would say i would consider opening up the conversation to kids and if you could convince me why no would... okay fine that's fine then that's fine too i feel like by the time you're 40 something you shouldn't have children you don't think so no why not you're old so what 40 not that old you're old. 40's not that old. Unless you are taking pristine care of your body, you're old. 40's not that old, Sarah. 40's <laughs> not that old. Think about people right now who are 40. I have friends who are 40. They I got don't like, know many people who are 40. You're young. You're 26 years old. You're a tiny little baby. You're only five years older than me, so... It's a big five years, girl. <laughs> Has that been weird? No. No? no, it hasn't bothered me. No, it hasn't been weird. The for fact me. that your wife is five years younger. No. Okay. Mm-mm. No, it's been fun. <laughs> I don't feel like I'm that younger than you. I mean, mentally and like maturity wise, I feel like we're on the same page. Totally. I think actually you got me beat. You're probably more <laughs> mature than I am for sure. No, but I mean physically, yeah. But no, I don't think it's that noticeable. You think you're physically more mature than me? No, I mean physically, like, okay, it's we're interchangeable. Equal. Yeah, we're pretty but equal. I'd say I'm physically more mature than you. I got more wrinkles. Well, whatever. I bet I got some grays. <laughs> you got some grays? No. You sure? <sighs> yes. You're physically more mature Your than me. Your mother has told me I have grays <laughs> because she cuts my hair now. Yep. And I just deal with it, and I mm-hmm. understand that it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And she plucks them for me, and she takes them out, but she tells me about it. I thought you're not supposed to pull a gray. I thought you, you know, pull a gray. She should just tell me that place. they don't exist. But no, she tells me. Well, that's my mom for you. Speaking of quarantine, your hair is long. Yeah, girl, my hair's long. Yeah. I feel like that needs to be dealt with, but I can't do it. I can't. <gasps> no, no, it's fine. It's going to be fine. I think it's going to be fine. I think I don't have anywhere else to go, so I don't give a fuck. I don't have anybody who's going to see me, so I don't care. So, <sighs> Has quarantine been crazy for you? Because this is something that we haven't dealt with in our whole life. 
it's not been crazy for me. I haven't enjoyed it. I'm over it. I'm ready to be able to go back. I'm. I, I can't wait to go to Roosters with my friends and get some beers and eat some chicken wings. It I can't does wait. freak me out that the world is like closed. Mm. Like I can't, by choice, choose to do things. No, we got we got grocery stores. When the grocery stores close, I'm gonna freak out. When the grocery stores close, when the grocery stores close, I'm gonna be hollering at Ethan Henry, who's my buddy who hunts. I'm be like, hey, bro. Hopefully that will never happen. Help te- teach me how to do these things. We're friends. Teach me how to do these things. I can learn. I'm a smart guy. I can learn. I will tell you that I almost hit and killed a turkey with my car today. It's turkey season. Just buy a tag. You'll be fine. Did you know that turkeys can fly? Yeah, turkeys can fly. Yeah. Well, I freaking didn't know that. Oh, really? You didn't know that? And one flew like right in front of my car. I, I hit the brakes, but I, I barely missed it. You didn't crush it? I guess I could have, but no. You shouldn't have. We don't need to eat it right now. But if in six months from now the grocery stores are closed, you fucking run that turkey over. Okay, well, there that. are lots of turkeys. We won't have any gasoline, though. <laughs> so I can't drive? Is that That's what you're what telling me? That's what I'm worried me? about. I'm worried about the world shutting down. I don't think it's going to, but it, this is making me think a little bit about, like, that could potentially happen. The world Let's could potentially shut it. down. What if it does? What if you couldn't uh, drive anymore? How would your life change? <laughs> Obviously, food would be the number one concern. If we couldn't drive anymore? Yes. Can we, at least at that point, we can socialize with people, right? Yeah, but you can't, you can't transportation. You don't have any of that. You don't have any stores to buy anything. So how would you live? Well, I mean, this is a hypothetical, obviously. Correct. Let's talk about why that would happen. No. That's important. Yeah. That's no. not important. Th- that's not going to happen with coronavirus. No, I don't think so. The world's so. not going to shut down with coronavirus. I don't think so. not enough people are dying from it no. to really be warranting it's that. It's not super lethal, so no. But we don't want to overwhelm our healthcare system, which is why we're taking the advantage, the taking the stance that we've taken. Right. So, in the event that the whole world would shut down, that would be a much more deadly virus. So the question would be, who can you interact with? Figuring out having a strong group of people that you can trust and faithfully interact with—that's going to be number one. Okay. Number two, for me, for you and I, because we don't have reserves of food or anything like that. Finding people who do and offering the skills that we have. You are a nurse. You can help keep people safe. I'm smart. I can help solve problems. And if they want to start a podcast, we can try to get more people who are smart to our (laughs) thing by having a podcast. That's what you're offering up. I can do lots of stuff. I can learn things. I'm a good learner. I can learn things. So have you watched Outlander? With you, yeah, and yeah. Has anybody watched that? So this woman who is a nurse gets transported, what is it, two hundred years back in time. You're the you're the most humongous nerd. I don't think my skills will be necessary. Why? Because I couldn't keep you alive. Have you had a? Have you? If you have a heart attack, well, you're gonna infarct. You're. <laughs> so what? You're gonna what? You're gonna do it. Infarct. It's gonna happen. No, you'd be great. You'd be you'd be super useful because you'd have knowledge that. Well, I guess what you're saying is because you're a critical care nurse and you're not like a. I don't know. I guess I could. I mean, pioneer those things. You have I value. Don't know. You have value. You're a smart person. You're capable of becoming a nurse. That that gives you value. There's tons of people out there who could never become a nurse, and no matter how hard they tried, and that sucks for them. But I would not choose for them to be in my group if the world comes to an end. It is crazy that this pandemic has brought that up because. It's nothing like we've ever seen before in our lifetime. No, it's weird, isn't it? Yeah. The Spanish flu, that was like 1912, right? 
1918. Millions died. It's interesting about the Spanish flu because, you know, they tried social quarantining. Some cities did better than others, though. And I can't remember if this was New York City that I heard about, but they did social distancing. It wasn't New York? No. How do you know? St. Louis. St. Louis? Do you know what story I'm trying to tell? Yeah. I think. Maybe not. Keep telling Where it. Where they, they had been social distancing, and then there's a huge group of people who decided they didn't want to do it anymore. And they, oh, no. And they celebrated the end of World War One. Okay. And then there was a second resurgence, and ultimately more people died from the Spanish flu than died in World War One. That's horrible. It's so sad, yeah. In the U.S. Way more people died of World War One in Europe than, than died in the U.S. Yeah. But in the U.S., more people died of the Spanish flu. That's horrible. It's a sad thing, you know, but things were different back then. They didn't have nearly the level of health care that we have now. So, it's scary. So, I just, I just don't, I don't, ultimately, I just feel super lucky because we're both still getting paid and neither of us have the coronavirus. Yet. Yet. And I'm looking forward to get it so I can have the antibodies. I'm going to give it to all my friends. That's absolutely ridiculous. You should not feel that way. I'm going to slice my arm with all my friends. I'm going to rub my bloody arm up against their arm. And I'm going to give them my antibodies. Not going to happen. That's how I'm going to do it. You definitely won't do that. You have a weird thing about knives cutting you open. So I know that's not true. I would do it for my chest. I'm going to, I'm for my friends, I'm going to slice my chest. No. And I'm going to slice my friend's chest and I'm in an, and I'm going to embrace them in a hug and I'm going to rub our bloody chest together and I'm going to give them my antibodies so that they don't have coronavirus. And that also, is ridiculous. They've talked about taking blood from healthcare workers and checking antibodies. They already have antibodies isolated against coronavirus. Um, so I think eventually we'll have a vaccine and <laughs> treatment available for it. But right now that doesn't affect us yeah that i feel like they'll probably and you know like i'm not a fucking professional on this but i've listened to a lot of people and and i'm aware of like what's reasonable we'll probably have a vaccine in a year or so and then coronavirus becomes more like the flu the question is will everybody get the vaccine no of course not people already don't understand it people already talk people already talk about the the flu vaccine like it's not even, it's just a, It's just our best guess. It doesn't even keep you from getting the flu, which is true. Well, yes, but it also helps prevent the flu from being catastrophic. Exactly. It keeps enough people from getting it and it keeps enough people from getting sick that we don't overwhelm our healthcare system so that the infrastructure of the whole system that keeps people healthy doesn't crumble. That's the whole point. Like the whole point of the reason why we do the flu vaccine. No, it doesn't stop the flu from happening. It doesn't stop people from getting it. People still get it. It's it's our best guess for what antibodies we need to attack this year's strain of the flu. Yeah. But ultimately the goal is to do our very best to stop our healthcare system from becoming so overwhelmed with people who are sick from the flu that everybody dies no matter what they have. Right. That's the goal. Yeah. And that's what social distancing is right now for the coronavirus. And that's what vaccinations are for the flu. And, you know, it is crazy that we have tens of thousands of flu deaths a year and right. we've gotten used to it. But it's because we've gotten able to handle it. And, you know, we'll probably from this point on have tens of thousands of coronavirus deaths a year. But as long as our healthcare system can handle it, it becomes your responsibility to take care of your own personal health, to make sure that you are physically fit and you're, you're 
consuming the correct nutrients that you need. And I'm not saying I do a good job of this, but if I get coronavirus and die because I'm immunocompromised because I'm fat and unhealthy and haven't been taking care of myself. Yeah. How willing are you to escalate treatment? So besides coronavirus, let's just stop talking about that altogether. Louisville, Kentucky, how do you feel about living there? I like living in Louisville. I like living in Louisville. It's a pretty decent place to live. But you want to travel away. I would like to travel. This kind of goes back to the whole thing about like, if all you are is your experiences, then I can more be a more complete person by having more experiences. And so I want to structure my life in such a way that I'm not constantly doing the same thing all the time because then all I am are the things that I'm doing. Yeah, so a big part of the reason why I want to travel is because I want to broaden my experiences. I want to have more experiences. And I really enjoyed our honeymoon honeymoon and traveling around and and doing those things with you because I got to see places that I'd never seen before and I got to do things that I'd never done before. Mm Mm-hmm. And that's valuable to me. I want to be able to do more of that because I think it makes me a better informed person. It makes me a more, um, it gives me more data. Yeah. I can understand what it's like to be a person in California now a little bit better than I could before. Okay. You know? Yeah. And then just the whole, I mean, also I'm more aware ever than I've ever been before, that I'm going to die. Mm. You know, I'm going to die. Someday I will cease to be, and my ability to experience will no longer exist, at least not in this capacity. Does that scare you? I don't like the idea of it. Well, I no. I don't enjoy thinking about it, mostly because of the uncertainty of what comes next. That's a big thing that concerns me. Because nobody knows for sure? Yeah, the uncertainty of that is very difficult to deal with you don't know what comes next and that's and and, but but what you definitely know is what's happening now stops yeah or changes in some way in in a big way and that's scary you know so what that means for me is that i don't want that to end and feel like I didn't do all the stuff that I wanted to do before it happens. Mm. So you're afraid you're running out of time. I'm not afraid that I'm running out of time. I just know that I'm 30. Now is the time to do the things that I want to do. I'm more capable now of doing the things that I want to do than I've ever been before. I'm better well-informed. I'm more financially stable. I'm more aware of what I actually want out of life and and how much I can appreciate these experiences. I have a partner to do those things with me so I don't have to do them all by myself. Now's the time to do them. Mm -hmm. And so putting those things into effect is a big part of what I spend my time thinking about now. Yeah. And that's why, you know, and that's another reason why I started the podcast. I want to be autonomous. And this is just a shot. This is a shot at that. It's something that I already enjoy doing. I already want to do. I have fun doing it. I'm going to do it no matter what. And also, if I get good at it and start creating stuff that people enjoy and want to listen to, fuck, I could even do it for a living. Who knows? (laughs) Who knows? Yeah, that'd be great. What are you looking at? Your mom Snapchatted me. Mm, My mom and Snapchat. They love each other. So I'm looking at that. She made kebabs. Ooh, I want to see. Ooh, they look good. 
So how do you feel about me taking over your podcast? I was excited about it, honestly. Why? Because this, this, for this, for me, this part's the easy part, I feel like. The talking. Like, you asked me earlier why did I started to podcast. A big part of it was like I needed an outlet to just talk. <laughs> I like to talk. You just need to communicate your yeah. feelings. And I just want to be able to talk, yeah. Yeah. I need to be able to express myself. I understand that. Me too. So when you said you wanted to do a takeover where you'd be the host, I was like, cool. That That's the hard part. It's all, they have to think and they have to be. No, the being control. the host is easy. You think so? Yeah. I ask you a question and you just talk about it. Yeah, for... you got an easy guess, me. Is that what it is? Oh my yeah. God, did you hear that? Winifred's in here. Where you at, monkey? Winnie. <laughs> there on. she is. That's where she comes from. Come on. Come on, Winnie. Hi, pretty She comes girl. in the complete <laughs> wrong direction. Hang what on. a good lady. You going to podcast with us, Look, monkey? She knows I'm the alpha. She knows not. Winnie, come here. She won't even listen to me. I am the alpha. You keep telling yourself that, babe, but you're not. I am the alpha. You want to be. I, I appreciate why you would want to be. Being the alpha. As the alpha. As the alpha. Being the alpha is pretty okay. Okay. You are not the alpha. Okay. Put, lay, lay, lay out your case for why I'm not the alpha. Um, I'm female, first of all. Uh, mm-hmm. second of all. Okay. I don't know how that makes, how that's, I don't get that part. Traditionally. Traditionally, <clears throat> females are the alpha, whether you know it or not. Homo, <laughs> Homo sapiens in general are usually led by a male. Just not historically. True. Historically, females have huge influence on Homo sapiens. They just don't know it. Yeah. They made most of them. All of them. All, yeah. every single Homo sapien that's ever been born was born out okay, of a female. Okay. That's true. Maybe I'm not the alpha. Maybe I'm number two. What's what's second in line? Vice Alpha. Win- Winnie picks who's the alpha because she's the dog. So she's the she's the reason the pack reference is even used. Are we a pack? Yeah, for Winnie we are. We're her pack. Are we? For Winnie, she's got four pack members. She's got her fat daddy, <laughs> who she loves, who <laughs> feeds her and gives her joy, mm-hmm. takes her for walks. Yeah. And whom... Saved her from the streets and Aww. gave her a home to live in. Aww. And loved her. And then she's got mom, who... Careful. Has only been around for a little while. hmm And who she loves, but mm-hmm. doesn't fully take seriously. What? In the sense that she does not f- have as much drive to please you, I think, as she pleases me. As she wants to please me. Okay, yeah. I can see that. Right. And so that makes me the alpha. Oh, don't go get all excited about it. <laughs> sure. You're the alpha to Winnie. Yeah. Yeah. I am. Hmm. That's ridiculous. It's not too bad. I enjoy it. I like being the alpha. So did you grow up with the dog? You did. I've always had dogs my whole life. Yeah. Who'd you grow up with? We had tons of dogs coming up. So when I was born, my parents had a dog named Little Bits. And <laughs> Little Bits, a.k.a. Bitsy Boo. That's ridiculous, That's my but mom okay. Her, yeah. Adorable. Hit by a car. Oh, my God. Sad days. Sad days. And died? Yes. Babe, <laughs> that's horrible. Sad, it happens. No, that's not. that doesn't happen very often. That's horrible. Dogs get hit by cars. Not as often as you'd think. That's horrible. It's sad. Ugh. I wasn't alive. I didn't really know. And then when we got no. older, we had Frost. 
Frost. Who was like a white dog. But I would parents, assume my parents got rid of it because it was too much dog. They didn't feel like taking care of it and it was chewing us up. It was biting us and um, we didn't like it. Yeah, that's not good. So my dad gave it away. Yeah. And then we got Barney. Barney. He was a basset hound. <laughs> he had big old dangly testicles. Oh. And when he'd go up the stairs, they'd bounce off. That's gross. In front of the steps. So his life was a challenge. I don't want to know that. He had big old long ears that would flop over his eyeballs when he was running. <laughs> and he'd run into things real hard. One time he ran into our garage door and knocked it off the track. Oh my gosh. <clears throat> Poor thing. And he would fall asleep on his back and get his belly and his wiener and his balls all sunburnt. That's he did that horrible. multiple different times. That's absolutely horrible. Um, but he was a character. His brain didn't work good. It doesn't seem like it. Um, and his body didn't really either because he was a bat town. So he was just like one big tube <laughs> with four tiny little feet on it and a humongous <laughs> head with big long ears. Yeah. So Awkward. He tried. And he had big old dangly balls like I mentioned. And, and I don't want to know about that. Towards the end of his life, we got Precious. Precious was a Cocker Spaniel. Mm. Precious is actually an interesting dog. Mm-hmm. We got Precious while my parents were split up. Oh, wow. My parents, my mom moved out. My dad and her were not getting along, so she got a small home. This was probably in elementary school. Oh, wow. I was in fourth, third, fourth, or fifth grade, one of those. Mm-hmm. My parents split up. My mom rented a home. I don't know how long she was there, a month or two maybe. But in that time, we got precious. She didn't want to not have a dog. And Barney stayed with my dad. I always had huge dogs growing up. I feel and, like and horses. you only had two huge dogs. Yeah, but they lived for my whole grow up stage. <laughs> they didn't even live that long. Nine years. So they lived from the time you were, how old were you when you got them? Oof. Athena and Apollo? Yeah, I was probably eight. Who made the choice to name them after Greek gods? Well, they were siblings from the same litter and they were thinking of names that went together. And thought about like Bonnie and Clyde. Um, but they were lovers. Right. And these were siblings and they were huge and they were like massive dogs. So Athena and Apollo just like like fit. It was funny though because my parents would say Athena and Apollo so much that they thought their names were Athena and Apollo. <laughs> they wouldn't respond to just one. You had to say both for them to respond. That's hilarious. Yeah. After a while. They got used to both because they did everything together. Mm-hmm. They'd been together since birth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's cool. They were separated for like two days and that was it. I never had an animal like that. Mm-hmm. We never had cats. I never had a cat until I was an adult. And really? I had my own cat, yeah. Willow? I had a cat before Willow. I had multiple attempts at cats. What happened? I didn't know how to have a cat. Yeah. Cats and, are weird. And they were outdoor cats. And eventually they just never came back. Willow has always come back. Willow loves her house. Yeah. She knows who feeds her. And she's also, like, I had a little cat, a little, I called it Daphne, because it had orange hair. Aw. Like Daphne from Scooby-Doo. Yes. And this cat was sweet, but one morning I woke up and was going to the bathroom, as one does, and it was early, and you know how our house is. It doesn't get a lot of light in the morning, but it gets some light in the morning. 
because we had those awnings. So the house was illuminated enough to where I could see, but not so much that it felt bright. Yeah. And I was going to the bathroom. I didn't turn the light on. Of course. And uh, I was in the bathroom doing my thing, and the cat snuck up in behind me. And I don't know what inspired it to react the way that it did, but it slashed me right across the backside of my testicles. Oh, my god! From behind. Caught that's me from behind. Ag- that's aggressive. From underneath. And, uh, you know, cats have dirty little feet, so I was worried. I was scared. Um, I left like three little gash, like, tiny little miniature claw marks on the back of my balls. I think oh my. I didn't see him. I couldn't see him. There's no way I could. I could try for the rest of my life and never actually get a look, good look at what the back of my balls look like. But oh it hurt, no. and I imagine that's what happened. It stung real bad, and uh, I kicked the cat across <gasps> the room. It was my first reaction. So, <gasps> something attacked my balls. I wasn't sure what it was. I only <sighs> figured out it was the cat after I'd already launched it across the what room. What happened to it? It didn't like that very much, but no. it was, ultimately it was fine. And uh, I, I continued the routine of letting it outside, and it never came back one day. That's sad. See, I, I envision that happening to Willow, so it scares me when you let her outside. I would rather her just be inside all the time. And I understand that, but Willow has been going outside and coming back consistently for years. Yeah, I mean, unless she doesn't die, she's going to come back because she knows where she gets fed and where she gets shelter. So... I get that, but I don't know. We had rabbits growing up. Did you ever have any like other pets that were different from a we cat had, or a dog? We had hamsters. Hamsters, yes. And hermit had hamsters. crabs. Oh, I never had hermit crabs. Hermit crabs, you just buy them and you have them until they die. We had fish and rabbits and hamsters. My dad had a fish tank. He took a lot of like care of it and did a lot with it. I did not know much about it. Um... Hermit crabs were always like, there's a community of people who are really into hermit crabs. Yeah. And they have big hermit crabs that they have for years because apparently hermit crabs can live for a very long time. But the capacity in which we had hermit crabs was we would buy them on vacation. We'd have them until they would die from neglect, which is terrible. That's extremely unethical. We'd keep their sponges dry. We'd keep their sponges wet, I mean, and have the little foods. But eventually they would always die. That's horrible. So how did you feel about me having a horse when you met me? Was that like a turnoff? When you first met me? It was not a turn on. (laughs) If that's what you're asking. You shouldn't know. I wasn't hot for you because you had a horse. Well, nobody is. I mean, I, I took into consideration. I was like, okay, she's got a horse. Why? Why did she have a horse? And then I found out that you did variety stuff on it and you jumped over things with her and <laughs> stuff like that. Yeah. And I was like, okay. I was like, what does that say about her? It's like, well, it says that she's better than me. What? So I better up my game a little bit with this chick who's got a horse. Why? Because I couldn't get you a horse. The main thing I needed to know was, am I going to be responsible for this horse? And when the answer to that became clear... <laughs> no, not really. <laughs> and I was like, okay, sweet, that's fine. I, the horse is fine. <laughs> She's got the horse. She's taking care of it. Okay, cool. That's cool. So that's how I feel about it. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, I mean, I I pay for it and I support it, so it's my thing. It's my I, hobby. Do you hate that I call promise it? No, 
Because at the time, that's what she was to me. She was just this horse that was all mm-hmm. of a sudden. Uh, you still don't really know her very well. I don't know her. I don't I, know uh, horses very well. I, don't I think know how you to should get her. on her personally. I don't want to do that. I think you should. She's high off the ground. Not really. She's kind of short. I will ride her around. Okay. One time. One time. If I like it, I'll maybe do it again, but I doubt it. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Do I have to get on your saddle? Yes. It's the only saddle I have. I own one saddle. So mostly I'll just be standing on her back, right? Or you could just get on with no saddle. No. That's the other option. I'm not doing that. Okay. That sounds reckless. <laughs> Which you've accused me of being in the past. Have I? Yes. About what? We said we decided, we said we weren't going to talk about that. Ooh, right. Yes, you are reckless about that yeah. a little bit. <laughs> No, that's fine. You can get on her once. Decide how you feel about it. At least you'll know where I'm coming from. Then you can move on. You're yawning. So clearly I am boring you as a host right now. I'm a little sleepy. I am too. It's getting late. What it time is. is it? Let's see. Want to guess? 7.43. No. 8? 7.56. Yep. We've been podcasting for a while. We did get distracted by Molly. Your parents' new dog. She is adorable. Yeah, she's adorable. Do you want to wrap it up? You want to call it quits? Yeah. I feel like we never really got into anything good. (sighs) Maybe we did, and I just maybe just went so fast. Yeah. What else would be good to talk about? I don't know. I could talk about anything, really. I'm getting tired. I feel like we should maybe do this again soon. Okay, cool. I love you. I love you, too. Bye-bye. Bye. And there it is, ladies and gentlemen, that's Just Friends Takeover. I'd like to give a huge shout out to my lovely wife, Sarah, for taking the time to help me make this podcast. I don't know if you guys could notice by her 30-second intro, but she didn't want to do it. Um, But I peer pressured her, as all good husbands do, and I think we made something pretty cool. Guys, full disclosure, this is probably going to be the last time you hear a conversation on this podcast that was done in person. And if you haven't already noticed, I'm releasing this a day late. Things have been crazy because of the coronavirus and getting my hands on material to even turn into a podcast has been a really big challenge. But I'm still working on remote episodes. I've got one of those in the box and I'm working on getting a couple of more of those. But to be perfectly honest, there's a chance that we might have to take a short break. Uh, But I'll definitely make sure you guys are aware of that before it happens. I'm not just going to disappear off the face of the earth until I say so. Just Friends podcasts will continue to be created. I really appreciate all of you guys who are listening. If you like what you're hearing and you want to support the show, you should check out the Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash Mitch Makes Podcasts. You can become a patron for as little as $5 a month. I've got five patrons so far. They're amazing people. And I just want everybody to know that anything that you donate to patreon.com is going to get turned right back around and reinvested into the podcast. I really want to get a new computer so I can run some more complicated video editing software. I'd like to get a video aspect built in, which means I need to buy some cameras. Um, And I'm going to eventually get those things no matter what, but the more support I get from the Patreon page, the faster those changes can happen. You can also show your support by checking out the Facebook page and the Instagram page and sharing that with other people. The more buzz that we can build around this thing, the better. 
And you can also share your favorite episodes with text messages or just by posting them on your social media page, whatever you like. However you get the word out there is totally fine with me. I just want to make sure that everybody who might be appreciating what we're creating here at Just Friends has the chance to hear it. It does kind of seem like we're starting to come out the other side of this whole thing, which is awesome. So maybe if I'm lucky, I'll be able to start scheduling actual interviews in a couple of weeks. But until then, I appreciate you guys for bearing with me. I'm still working hard to make sure these episodes keep coming out, and I hope you're enjoying them. Keep spreading the word. I hope you all are taking care of yourselves, and I love you. Have a fantastic week. See you next Sunday, I hope. Bye.